You're listening to Mastering Metail, a podcast brought to you by Essential Digital Commerce. Mastering Metail is a podcast masterclass for winning in e-commerce on the largest platforms out there with a focus on retail and media topics, hence the name Mastering Metail. For this season, we're honing in on Instacart, a North American grocery and retailer pickup and delivery service, plus a whole lot more that we'll learn about later. What is Instacart? Well, let me pan to a very special interview at Can Lion, where Fiji Simo, you know, just the CEO, tells our CEO, Duncan Painter, what the company does in recording of our sister podcast, Three Years Ahead. Instacart is a leading grocery technology company in North America. We partner with about 800 retailers across North America, and we deliver from about 70,000 stores. And it's basically a way for people to get access to groceries right at their door or uh, through pickup. And in particular, during the pandemic, we became very much an essential uh, part of how people got access to grocery. And now going forward, we are seeing ourselves as really the technology partner for all retailers to really embrace the digital transformation that we're seeing across the industry. If you've listened to our other seasons of Mastering Retail covering Amazon and Walmart, you'll quickly realize that Instacart is quite a bit different. That's because, for now, Instacart isn't what we would define as a retailer the way we would Amazon or Walmart. So our content is going to be a bit more media-focused than retail, as Instacart does not hold any inventory at scale, for now. But don't worry, there's a whole lot more covered in the season than just advertising, so you should come along for the full journey. Because I've been talking for quite a while now, let me introduce myself. My name is Emma Irwin, your host for this series. I work as an e-commerce specialist at Flywheel Digital, an essential digital commerce company. And up until the planning and recording of this podcast, I really only ever worked on accelerating growth for clients on Amazon, which put me in a really great position to bring you on an Instacart learning journey. In this first episode, our guest is going to talk about what Instacart is, how it works, and how to get yourself ready to advertise and upload content that wins. We'll also learn her key tips for success when it comes to Instacart, and I'll even give you real live examples of implementing what we learned through the fictional brand, Emma's Beans, which you won't want to miss. Without further ado, let's meet our guest. Ellie Edwards, product designer at Perpetua. I've been at Perpetua for about two years now. I'm actually on the product side now, so I'm, I'm a product designer. But previously, and most of my time here has been spent on customer success. And a big part of my role was owning sort of like our Instacart customers, as well as our API partnership. So didn't join Perpetua until later in 2020, but shortly after they launched ads officially. So I've definitely kind of seen the marketplace grow and worked with a lot of customers as they you know, started their journey on Instacart kind of getting their their feet on the ground and you know and then pushing them to to invest more and more over the years as it became a lot more competitive. So so yeah, it's been a really interesting experience and excited to share what I can with you guys today. Ellie mentioned she works at Perpetua, which we briefed in our Amazon season, but we'll let Ellie tell us about Perpetua here too. Perpetua is growth infrastructure for e-commerce, specifically focused on advertising across a variety of different e-commerce marketplaces. So historically, we've been focused really pretty heavily on Amazon advertising, and we still are today. But slowly, we've been trickling into new marketplaces. So the first kind of official new marketplace was Instacart. Across every season of Mastering Retail, we asked our guests some recurring questions. One of which is, what is the last thing you purchased from 
insert the retailer platform we're talking about. Okay, I googled if Instacart services the Toronto area prior to this podcast, but we have a question that we're asking everyone. And so starting off, do you use Instacart at all? Yes, I definitely, definitely use Instacart. Amazing. frequently. (laughs) Okay, what is, I'm sure you didn't order just one thing, but what is something from your most recent order from Instacart? Ooh, let me try and think of something interesting. (laughs) I feel like the last time I ordered, I was trying to make like a taco meal. So I was getting like the tortillas. I was getting all of my produce, like vegetables. I was getting cilantro. I wanted to do like shrimp tacos. So I was able to get all of that through Instacart. And I also um, notably was kind of in a time crunch and didn't feel like I had time. Maybe I did, but didn't feel like I had time to go to the grocery store to prep for this. So Instacart was the solution I ordered while I was at work and then I was there when I got home. So (laughs) there you go. And did your shopper get everything that you needed? Yes. Yes, they did. Generally, they're pretty good, I would say. And they're also very communicative. Like if there's ever something that isn't in the store, like I'm my phone's <laughs> blowing up with messages from my Instacart, which I appreciate. They're like, is this OK? Is it OK if I get this brand of cilantro instead of, you know, like the, the refined, the prepared cilantro? So they're very, very good with their uh, support there. We have one question. We ask this to everyone throughout every single retailer that we've talked about, but I'm going to put it on your brain now and we'll come back to it at the end. But we ask everyone, what is something that has been like on a digital wish list of yours, which means it sits in a tab infinitely. It doesn't have to be on Instacart or any specific place, but it just digitally lives on. You don't purchase it and we'll get to why at the end. But putting that on your brain for when we get back to it. Sound good? Okay. With that covered, we know some more about Ellie and can get rolling into what Instacart really is and how it works and how brands can begin advertising on the platform. So on Instacart, when you are shopping or browsing around, what you're seeing, so I guess the place to start with Instacart is Instacart is basically an amalgamation of different retailers that you can search within or just search broadly. So when you're purchasing on Instacart, you ultimately are going to select a specific retailer to check out with, but you can start your search very at a very broad level. So if I'm going on Instacart as a customer and I know that I need milk, there's probably a chance that there's going to be multiple retailers that fit that criteria. So I can start super general, type in the keyword milk, and then I'll see a bunch of search results, which show me where these products fall. So I could see result for Loblaws if I'm in Toronto, maybe somewhere like Albertsons if I'm in the States, and then I'll click into the retailer and continue my shopping experience. For when it comes to advertising, typically those ads appear within those retailers. There are some ads when you're doing that very generic search like at the the homepage of Instacart. Um, But generally, you're going to see most ads through the shopping experience on the retailer. So there's kind of there's a number of different placements of for ads that we'll go into more detail for but you're going to see ads when you're searching when you're browsing they're going to look different depending on what type of ad it is that you're looking at so like the most basic type would be like a sponsored product ad which is basically an organic listing with like a sponsored banner on it. So those ones are going to look very similar to organic listings. But yes, so it's going to it's going to fall throughout your entire shopping experience. And then the key thing to note with Instacart, which I think some people kind of don't always or maybe forget, especially when it comes to advertising, is that you are still shopping at physical stores. So when I'm searching for products, I'm seeing available inventory within actual stores that are 
around my area. So that is a criteria for seeing available products is that they're actually in stock. And Instacart's really good about making sure that's like as up to date as possible. And then once you check out, there is actually a physical person going to that retailer that you've selected. So five selected Loblaws, they're going into the store like you would if you were shopping within the physical store, picking up your items, probably doing a couple orders at a time, and then going to your to your house to deliver it to you. So, so it is basically like someone doing your shopping for you. Now that we have a grasp on Instacart's business model and got a glimpse into the world of advertising on Instacart, allow me to introduce you to fictional brand Emma's Beans. Say I'm a brand and I'm called Emma's Beans. And so we're just going to say Emma's Beans. That's my brand. I sell black beans. And I've existed on the shelf of a Loblaws forever. Will my products, do I have to like set up an Instacart account as Emma's Beans for my products to show up on Instacart at all? Forget advertising. But like I have to sign up as a brand on Instacart for Emma's Beans to populate on Instacart. Yeah, that's a really good question. So the answer is no, you do not. Okay. If you do absolutely nothing, your products are there. Inventory is within a physical retailer that's partnered with Instacart. Your products are going to show on on Instacart's platform. Now, the key thing to keep in mind here is that your product might not look how you would have expected on Instacart. So product content, and we'll get a little bit more into this later, but product content is pulled in at the retailer level on Instacart. Some different things can happen because of that. So one thing that can happen is if a retailer doesn't have product content on files, they may not have images or descriptions of your products. Your product page is going to look pretty bland and you might not even have anything to really show for except for the title. And then a retailer also has images that are outdated or descriptions that are outdated. Those also might populate. So through opening an ad account, you can actually resolve that in a pretty easy way, which I can explain if you'd like. But yes, by default, you will show up. So if you're not advertising, like you're kind of just missing out, to be honest, because most of the big brands are advertising now. And so you're just going to get pushed further and further down the page, unfortunately, over time. But yes, there's no setup required, which is kind of the beauty of Instacart. You don't really have to worry about like choosing all the different retailers you want to show up in all the different locations. If you're available, customers should be able to find you. Perfect. And so Emma's Beans wants to start advertising on Instacart. Where do I go? What is this like? It's honestly very easy to get set up. You just want to go to ads.instacart.com. That's regardless of your if you're looking to advertise in the US or Canada. And you're going to need to request an ad account. So you can't set up like right away, but the request process honestly is very, very quick. Generally, this gets approved like within a matter of days. Once you're set up and you're in your ad account, you can immediately start launching ads, assuming you enter you know, all your billing info, et cetera, and you're ready to go. And the other key thing about once you're in that ad account is you have access to Instacart's library tool, which is where you're going to be able to actually go in and and change some of that product content, which we talked about. So will your product content flow to like every retailer on Instacart once you upload it? Yeah. So the library tool is really great. So just some like background on content for Instacart. When Instacart first rolled out ads, updating your content was like 
quite a grueling process. Um, there's a lot of back and forth with your Instacart AE. You had to submit a very manual form, which sometimes didn't get approved and you'd have to like, modify and resubmit. Now, though, Instacart launched, uh, again, its library tool and you can go in and update your product content once. So you upload your images, your description, you can edit your titles, and that pushes to all of your retailers by default. So previously, the only easy way to do this was to submit that form or if you worked with a content service provider, it was also covered by them. But now the library tool really kind of leveled the playing field for all brands and made it just super, super easy to, to edit and to update your, your content. Now that Emma's Beans, which is a representation of really any brand out there, knows how to begin advertising, it would be useful to know what types of ad units are offered by Instacart that Emma's Beans could utilize. So there's two main types of ad units on Instacart. The most common one that's been around since they first launched is sponsored products, previously called featured products, actually. They recently kind of rebranded this earlier this year. Um, and sponsored products run off of a second price cost per click auction. So very similar to what you would expect on other similar marketplaces like Amazon, for example. And then the other ad unit, which is a little newer to Instacart, launched late last year, is display ads. So these display ads are banner ads, which appear at the top of the page on multiple different placements, and they run off of a cost per impression model. And this is also a first price auction, so a little bit different than sponsored product. I've learned a lot from putting this podcast together, but I've also learned that it never hurts to confirm that you actually understand something before you ask your next question. Question for you, confirming that I understand Sponsor products and display both fall into what we would like call as a bucket of paid search, correct? Exactly. They yeah. are search related. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. Just gotta got to confirm. It. And so sort of follow-up question, display. Can you get display ads to show off-site that direct you back to Instacart? Yeah, great question. Not currently. So the display ads that Instacart supports are all within Instacart. So they're going to appear on locations like the search results page when you're searching for specific keywords. They can also appear on generic retailer pages or category or aisle pages. They're typically always, they're always going to be at the top. And these are really custom creatives that the brand will, will generate themselves and then submit to Instacart for approval. There's just some credentials around sizing primarily. And as long as you follow those, you should be good to go. And then these are going to actually redirect customers to another page within Instacart. So that's another key point. They don't yet offer any off Instacart advertising options when it comes to like directing back to, in I mean, so Instacart doesn't support that directly. So, so yes, those are all within Instacart. A next step in understanding advertising on Instacart comes from learning about targeting. As a brand, you probably want your ads to reach specific people or groups of specific people that they might mean something to, and Ellie explains that all for us. For sponsored products, there's really two main classifications for where ads can appear. So the first is search, and then the second is non-search. So search, pretty self-explanatory, are ads that appear when you're searching for specific keywords on Instacart. And the way that those ads serve is through exact match keyword bidding. So something to note about Instacart in comparison to other marketplaces is they currently only support exact match uh, keyword bidding. Um, so there's no phrase or broad. So what that means is if I'm bidding on the keyword protein exact match, for any customers that, that search that exact term protein, I can serve ads. 
But if someone is searching protein bars, I have to also have the keyword protein bars exact added into my keyword. So I can't rely a broad keyword like protein that's going to catch any search term that includes that term like I can on similar marketplaces like Amazon. I need to make sure that all of those exact match terms are are added into my campaign to hit those placements. And then when it comes to non-search, so non-search ads can appear on a variety of different placements on Instacart. So this can be on the homepage, on category or aisle pages. They can also appear throughout the checkout experience. They do look the same as the search placements for sponsored products. So it's really just that organic, looks very similar to an organic listing, except it has the sponsored banner at the top. And non-search bidding works a little differently than keyword bidding. So there's, although there is a number of different placements for non-search, they're all controlled by one very generic bid called the default bid. And this default bid exists at the ad group level and essentially controls all of your non-search placements. So essentially, like super simple, the higher that your default bid is, the more you're going to spend um, on those non-search placements. Whereas if it's lower, then you're not going to hit as many of those placements. And to summarize and connect those two together, so there's no way to turn off any bids on Instacart. So you can't like delete keywords, you can't negative match. You can't turn off the default bid. So you're going to be hitting all placements within all of your campaigns, whether you like it or not. But this is actually intentional because Instacart has a lot of data around shopping journeys on their platform. And they found that it's really non-linear. So when it comes to new users, so first-time purchasers on Instacart, about 60 to 70% of their, their purchases are coming directly from search. They are going into that platform. They know exactly what they want. They're searching for those keywords. And then they're seeing those search placement sponsor product ads and clicking on them and purchasing. But when it comes to existing users, so sec- uh, anyone that purchased on Instacart in the past, that number of, of search kind of purchases gets reduced around 40 to 50%. The difference comes from those browse placements. And there's one in particular that is pretty important when it comes to Instacart, and it's called Buy It Again. So I don't know if if you've used Instacart before, but if you once you purchase once on Instacart, they're going to start making this list for you called Buy It Again. And so, for example, if I've shopped at Loblaws in the past, basically my entire previous order is going to be added to my Loblaws Buy It Again list. And then when it comes to advertising, one of the non-search ad placements that I mentioned that can kind of be sprinkled throughout the platform includes Buy It Again. So by advertising in that Buy It Again list, which as you probably know, I mean, I'm an avid shopper on Instagram, so my Buy It Again list on some retailers is very, very long. And so by advertising there, you're essentially bumping your products to the top of that customer's list. So they're more likely to to repurchase. So that is the two kind of main placements for, for a sponsored product. And then with display ads, it is just so it's always going to be a banner. And there's two different ways of running display ads on Instacart. So you can, similar to sponsored product, you can still bid on keywords. So I mentioned that one of the placements for display ads is at the top of the search results page. So for going back to the example of like keyword like protein, I can add that keyword to my display ad campaign. And that will allow me to serve that that custom creative banner ad at the top of the search results page for protein. 
Now, the other way of targeting for display is through behavioral targeting, which is super exciting for Instacart because they haven't really had anything like this in the past. And so the exciting thing about behavioral targeting is you're able to kind of move a little bit further up the funnel, even though it's pretty typically pretty high search in intent and purchase intent, you're able to explicitly include or exclude certain audiences in your targeting. So for example, if I'm going for net new customers, I really want to try and get new customers rather than you know retargeting customers that have purchased my brand in the past. I can choose to explicitly exclude any customers that have purchased any of my brand's products within a specific window. So for example, within the last 30 to to 90 days. And so by doing this, you're able to kind of guarantee that your efforts on your display ad campaign are strategically focused to those more upper funnel tactics. And then, you know, rely on something like sponsored product to catch that low hanging fruit. Perfect. Very thorough. I learned so much in that. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) And yes, I use buy it again across not just Instacart, like literally every grocer that I buy groceries online from. Because like you expect me to remember the things that I eat every day. That's too much for me. I totally agree. Yeah. (laughs) Which is sad because you would think you would remember your grocery list when it's like exactly the same week over week. But no, I'll even if like I go buy groceries like actually at a store, I pull up the buy it again list as like my list. What did I get again? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I feel that. Yeah. Let's say bringing back Emma's beans just because we're rolling with Emma's beans for this episode. I love it. it. And we can't title it Emma's beans, but I kind of wish we would. But anyways, Emma's beans has set up. They they figured out how to set up ads. They learned about the different ads that exist. How does Emma's beans then scale the brand Emma's beans on Instacart? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So when it comes to scaling, there's a couple of different things that I think you should keep in mind. Number one is I think when it comes to advertising on any marketplace, you want to make sure that your ads are running throughout the day. This is particularly important on Instacart because a lot of purchases and shopper engagement happen later in the day. So a lot of users are kind of clicking around, clicking on ads, and then filling up their card and checking out later in the day. So if you're not advertising at that point and you run out of budget, it can be problematic in that you may miss out on some conversions that happen generally later in the day. In addition to that, um, I think it's really important to keep in mind incrementality. So when you're thinking about your investment on on uh, Instacart when it comes to advertising, as you continue to invest more and more, I would encourage advertisers to keep an eye on their high-level total sales. Uh, Instacart actually has this data now available through their self-serve platform. Previously, you had to reach out to an AE and kind of request it on a monthly basis. But it is now it now lives in what's called the Insights tab on Instacart's ad platform. So that's another really like high-level thing to keep in mind. And then the other key thing that I would highly recommend is being strategic about where where you're allocating your ad dollars, both between like different ad units, but also within specifically sponsored products, looking at performance more of a segmented level. So by this, what I mean is, so this is something that we found like very early on at Perpetua in marketplaces like Amazon, is when you're bidding on your branded keywords... You want that your uh, you want that to be relatively cheap, and you really don't want to be allocating too much of your budget towards branded. You really want to be focusing on those incremental 
keywords for potential for incremental sales, like the category and competitor keywords. So if you're trying to execute a branded versus unbranded strategy, it actually becomes pretty difficult because you are constantly having to go in and kind of do checks and audits on what keywords are in with which ad groups or campaigns. So something that we've done at Perpetua and a selfless plug here with just pushing kind of like how we approach advertising, but we've sort of automated the system for you. So essentially, we segment your performance in that you have, if you want, you have a branded strategy, and then you can have an unbranded strategy, which can be further broken out into like competitor category. And then you tell us, okay, for all these keywords that include my brand name, Emma, maybe Emma's Beans, maybe just Emma's. I want to pull all of those into my branded strategy. And I want Perpetua to automatically reduce those bids in all my other campaigns. So while you cannot delete keywords, you can reduce the bids to the minimum bid price, which is like 15 cents USD. And to be honest, given the climate of the Instacart advertising space today, like you're really not going to spend. So what we do is we then pull those bids down and all your other campaigns. And then for your more competitive campaigns, like your category campaign or your competitor campaign, we're going to do the same thing. So you're going to say, okay, for these list of competitors, so maybe like Joe's Beans, I don't know, <laughs> Kevin's Beans. <laughs> I don't think those are real brands, but I want you to focus on those keywords only in this campaign. I'm going to set a lower target ROAS. I don't really care as much about my return right now. And then, you know, allocate your budget strategically there. So I think by thinking about your ad dollars in this segmented way, you can make sure that you're not kind of relishing in like your super high ROAS and, you know, getting so excited about your return when that's kind of a vanity metric at the end of the day. And a lot of those sales could be coming from branded, especially if Instacart keeps harvesting those branded keywords into your campaigns. So I think it is really good to think about this more strategic segmented approach if you're looking to grow long term. Thanks for the explanation, Ellie. We'll be right back after the break. And now, a message from our sponsors. Have you heard about Emma's Beans? Mommy! Mommy! I don't want pizzas or burgers! I just want Emma's Beans! Emma's Beans, the best beans in town. What Ellie mentioned at the end there before our break is one of her three tips for success on Instacart she gave me prior to our conversation. And I'm reiterating that here, and that tip is to pay attention to attributed ad performance at a segmented level, i.e. branded targets versus unbranded because the costs are different and ROAS, or return on ad spend, doesn't paint the full landscape picture. Ellie's next key tip is that product content matters. So again, we're going back to the conversation here of what happens when you don't monitor or audit your product content on Instacart? And this typically happens when you just haven't started advertising yet or you don't work with a content service provider, a CSP. And so because Instacart pulls in that data or that content from the retailer, a lot of times your content can be very inconsistent or just missing on Instacart. And so from a customer's perspective, kind of like diminishes your the legitimacy of your brand especially if they're familiar with your brand on other platforms, you want to make sure that this experience is consistent across Instacart as well. Especially now that Instacart has you know, become pretty widely used by customers, there is a chance that if you don't kind of audit and keep an eye on that, that your customers, potentially some of your existing loyal customers, may see a brand experience that they didn't expect. And so that's kind of like the first key point. And then another 
avenue that Instacart has recently rolled out, which allows you to kind of elevate this even more, is what's called brand pages. So brand pages are entirely free and they essentially allow you to kind of better illustrate your story on Instacart through a dedicated shoppable like URL. And what's interesting about this is that you also, I think earlier we're talking about generating traffic from like within Instacart versus outside. You can use this as a shoppable destination from efforts outside of Instacart, or you can use this as the landing page for something like your display ad. So this just really allows you to curate the brand story that you want and allows full control over that rather than having to worry about things being really, really consistent across retailers and not really being able to tell your story on Instacart. So yeah, that's kind of what I would focus on for that point. And Ellie's last key tip for success on Instacart after paying attention to performance at a segmented level and knowing that product content matters is that understanding product distribution across the retailers carrying your brand can really help you out. One thing you can ask for, especially if you're like on the fence about starting advertising, is you can reach out to your Instacart AE, which if you don't know who that is, you can find out through your point of contact at like Perpetua or Flywheel and we can get get you that pretty quickly. You can reach out to your, your dedicated AE though and ask the number of stores that you're in and ask for your last uh, 52 weeks sales. So you have like a relative starting point to work off of. And then um, you can kind of use that to, to gauge whether or not you want to start advertising. Um, when it comes to actually knowing your distribution, that comes more down to your internal team, though. And it's just something that you should be aware of. Again, this doesn't have to be super granular. But the reason that it's uh, that it matters is because Instacart, again, goes it's shopping at physical stores and your inventory is coming from physical stores. So if you have pretty low distribution, within the retailers that are partnered with Instacart, especially, you know, in a particular area, then the chances of you being able to to grow pretty substantially on Instacart are lowered just because you you may notice that you're bidding super aggressively on keywords, but you're just not getting any impressions. And the reason for that comes down to distribution. So that's a, uh, it's a pretty common question I get with Instacart is like, I'm bidding so high on these like very strategic flagship keywords, but I'm not seeing any impressions or spend. Uh, like, How can I scale? And unfortunately, sometimes it does come down to that. It's just there, there might be a few stores where customers are searching for those keywords, but within the number of stores that you're in, you're just not able to get the same scale. So that's kind of why distribution matters. And then if you're a larger brand, it's also a good idea to keep this in mind because Instacart has some more advanced analytics that you you unlock with the more money that you spend and the more that you actually invest back into Instacart. And one of these metrics is sales by region. So Instacart, unfortunately, can't attribute sales back to the retailer, but they can do it by region. So if you have a general idea of the number of stores within each region, then you can kind of compare that to your to your total sales on Instacart for those particular regions as you continue to invest more on Instacart ads. So you want to be focusing on those regions that you have the highest distribution, kind of watch to see those sales numbers grow as you continue to advertise more. Phew. We have made it to the end of our interview and have learned so much about Instacart in terms of operations, advertising, and content, and you'll only learn even more in our next episodes. Before we said goodbye, I had to ask Ellie a question we'll be asking all of our guests in the Instacart episodes. Rounding us out, a question, another question that we ask everyone is, 
We're assuming that you like cooking if you are ordering from Instacart and you talked about shrimp tacos, so I already know that you can cook and you're not someone that is just buying snacks from Instacart, for example. So what is your favorite thing to cook? Oh, yeah. Honestly, this one's super easy. It's tacos. Like, I love making tacos. I feel like it's so versatile in terms of, like, the different types of tacos you can make. Unfortunately, it's, like, not really a meal you want to make by yourself. Unless you want to make eight salsas for yourself, then you can do that if you want. But I typically try and round up a group of people because I'm like, I want to make a mango salsa and I want to make a pico de gallo and I want to do all these different things. But like, am I really going to spend two hours in the kitchen doing that just for me? Probably not. Maybe. But so definitely tacos is a favorite of mine. I also just love spice. So I'm like pouring hot sauce on all of my tacos. So yeah, I think tacos is definitely up there. I also just recently got a barbecue. So I'm like, wow, the world is my oyster. What should I do next? Should I do steak tacos? <laughs> Amazing. Super exciting. Okay. Finally rounding us out, we're going back to your digital wish list question. Something that you just won't actually purchase and why? Oh man, like for me, it just comes down to like clothes. Like I just have a bajillion. Like actually, it's I have like a separate window dedicated to like my online shopping endeavors oh my god and it's and I just I like I minimize it every day and I'm like maybe tomorrow I'll actually buy some of these things but I feel like there's especially like I'm fully also like my ads on Instagram and all my social channels like they know me it's like they're listening I think they actually are listening we're the to same me. my Instagram yeah. or not my Instagram <laughs> oh god my Instagram is so good I'm like stop you know me too well stop it a hundred percent. Yeah. Also the Instagram, Instacart, that was actually quite a challenge for me. I'm not going to lie at the beginning. I'm like, Inst- nope, Instacart, Instagram. <laughs> I started calling Instagram Instacart as well. But yeah, no, I definitely feel the same. Um, I get, I'm, I like, I'll be, you know, thinking about buying like a new pair of jeans and then all of a sudden there's an ad that just is serving me the exact brand that I was debating. But, but yeah, I'm a big, like, I just kind of ponder and then I end up usually buying nothing. I also like, I do buy things online and I know you can return clothing, but like for some reason, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just like, oh, but what if I can't return it? So then I'm like, oh, maybe I just won't buy it. (laughs) Because it could like, it could get lost in the mail or something like that. And then the retailer is going to be like, hey, you didn't return it. So you can't get the money back. Exactly. And I'm like, it's the 21st century. Like, I think they've figured it out by now, but I just still, yeah, sometimes worry. And that truly wraps up our first episode of our Instacart season of Mastering Retail. I learned so much and I hope you did too. And if your interest in Instacart has been sparked, you'll have to listen into our next episode where we'll go even deeper into advertising on Instacart because this is a masterclass for everyone and anyone vaguely familiar with e-commerce. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe or follow, share the episode, leave us feedback, all of that jazz. Check out Essential Digital Commerce on LinkedIn to see everything we're up to and stay tuned for what's next from us. My name is Emma Irwin, your host for Mastering Retail, and you can find me on LinkedIn too under my name or at emma.irwin at essential.com. This episode wouldn't have happened without the help of Klaus Cancel as our producer and Enos Tenji as our sound designer. See you next time. <laughs>